This is the Cashflow Digest. My name is Matt Faircloth and me and the DeRosa team are here for you guys on a weekly basis video and broadcast recording. This is also live on our Facebook group, DeRosa Insiders. We're going to be talking about all things real estate and all things cash flow because our company is dedicated to transforming lives through real estate and cash flow can do that. We're going to be talking about things that are affecting the real estate industry, news in the real estate investing world. And we're also going to be bringing on guests that are crushing it in the cash flow sector of real estate investing. If you guys want to join and watch the show live, please go to Facebook and look up DeRosa Insiders and join that Facebook group where we record this show every Friday at noon Eastern. Hope to see you guys there. What is going on, DeRosa Insiders? It's Matt Faircloth. Welcome to the Cashflow Digest. Our company is the DeRosa Group, and we're a real estate company dedicated to transforming lives through real estate. We make things better with what we do, and we help people make a good return on their money and up their financial freedom goals and reach their financial milestones that they want while they contribute to making the world a better place through our real estate ventures. This is the Cashflow Digest. I appreciate you guys for watching. If you guys are on Spotify, and I super, super duper 10 pounds of gratitude in a five pound bag. Appreciate you guys. If you guys are watching on the DeRosa Insiders feed, which is on Facebook. If you're not watching on Facebook, go to Facebook right now and join DeRosa Insiders. You know what? It's free. It's a free community where we talk all things real estate, real estate shop, and even better, this show is broadcast every Friday at noon Eastern on the DeRosa Insiders channel. So you guys get to ask questions of our guest, talk shop with me, anything you guys want by being a part of the DeRosa Insiders community, among other cool stuff. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we underwrote a live deal, 30-unit apartment building. We underwrote that live on this program. We're going to be bringing on some other conversations, including asset management tips, market hunting tips, capital raising tips, all kinds of tips here on this program for you guys to learn re all things real estate from. So that's what we got, guys. Today, we're going to be changing it up a little bit because we've got an awesome guest. We're going to be hopping directly into our interview. And then after that, I've got a tip of the week coming at you guys to highlight an amazing deal that DeRosa Income Fund is invested in. And it's just an interesting conversation. And then we're going to talk about some real changes that are happening. There's going to be so much money lost, unfortunately, and tons, multiples more money made in the repositioning of real estate. There is so much real estate in the United States right now that is currently set up to be one thing. Today, we're going to talk about strip centers. Those strip centers could be something else in that. So stay tuned for that conversation as well. I want to bring in our guest of the day. He's a good friend of mine, a gentle soul. He is an old soul. He is a great human being. I have learned a lot from. We're both Bigger Pockets authors. Guys, give lots of thumbs up and likes of this program right now for my guest today, Mr. Paul Moore. Hey, how are you, Matt? I'm great, man. How are you today? Good. You look so good in that t-shirt and I'm overdressed. You're never overdressed. I just like to have my brand right there across my chest. I got too much branding going. I don't know, but this is my wardrobe when I work from home. I think you're, you're not working from home. And I know you have a really important meeting after the show, which is why you are uh, dressed all in your fancy pants Friday clothes. That's right. so. <laughs> so good to see you. Great. Well, for those that, that, that need to get to know you a little bit better, could you just please tell our audience a little bit about you? Yeah, let's see. I got an engineering degree out of high school. I got an engineering degree, which was my first big mistake. <laughs> then I got an MBA, went to Ford Motor Company in Detroit, quit there after a while and got started my own company with a friend. And we ran that for five years. Wall Street was really interested in our type of business. So we ended up selling it to a publicly traded firm after about five and a half years. And I jumped into real estate. I did my first commercial deal in 99. Then I got stuck. No, it's not true. I did residential flips and single family rentals, small multifamily for about the next 11 years, and then jumped back into commercial multifamily. Uh, I wrote a book that was very humbly titled <clears throat> The Perfect Investment in 2016 about multifamily investing. Uh, multifamily is still the largest part of our fund. But now, like I said, we have now, uh, we have six different funds that invest in 
self-storage, mobile mm -hmm. home parks, RV parks, open air shopping centers, multifamily and light industrial. So when do you sleep? It was, it's funny. My wife was asking me that last night and I said, look, <laughs> of course she has that at night because you're awake and you should be asleep. Right. Yeah. And no, you so, yeah. So now the truth is in the last, and, and this is an honest, the, the reason we're doing as well as we are is I've struggled for years. I've been a shiny object chaser. Mm -hmm. I've been, I jumped around to, you know, this, that, the other, and I made a lot of mistakes doing that. I mean, I made a lot of money. I hit a few home runs and then I had a lot of strikeouts. And we could talk about that for a whole couple of shows. Mm -hmm. Matt, you were on my podcast years ago. I had a well, you have a show. Let's mention that we had a, a show called How to Lose Money, and we, we stopped losing money. That's it. Know. We've lost all the money. No more talking about we losing money. But, that. People, but people can still listen to that show. Yeah. I think and two hundred thirty-eight guests and successful entrepreneurs, investors, etc., including Matt Faircloth. And nobody yeah. wants to talk about it, but we all do it. But at any rate, the best thing I did was hire an integrator. I hired a guy who was actually twenty-one. He was a senior at Liberty University down the road from Virginia Tech. He, he was he was a prodigy, business project. He didn't know it and I didn't know it at the time, but he grew, let's put it this way, he replaced two other business partners and he's doing five or 10 times as much as them or more. If you know the traction EOS model, he's yes. an integrator and I'm a visionary and it's been just such a marriage made in heaven. And because of that, I actually do get sleep because we've hired a wonderful team to work around him. And I'm out here doing podcasts and having a yeah. good time like this, you know? So I want to unpack a few things here. First of all, you are yet another recovering engineer turned real estate investor. You and I both know good mutual friends like Andrew Cushman is a recovering engineer, now real estate investor. And I can name so many people. Josh Ferrari has been on this program. He has just recently left his engineering job to go full-time real estate investing. And we know so there's so many people that you and I interact. I think a few more people in our mastermind might be former engineers and now real estate investors. And it's so funny that particular trade breeds real estate investors. Why do you think that is? Okay. Here's my theory. I can't say it's, you know, universal, yeah. but as a senior in high school, I loved rocks. <laughs> I loved geology. I was just talking to an investor half an hour ago about our, our wonderful memories we both have about Yellowstone. This is how smart I was as a kid. This is how much good guidance I had from uh, adults. I was sitting at a swimming pool going, you know, I really like rocks and I want to play football, man. Yeah. Said, well, you ought to get a geology degree. I said, okay, okay, that sounds cool. And he said, but wait a minute. He goes, for a few extra classes, it might take you five or six extra classes, you can get a petroleum engineering degree. And I said, yo, cool. I didn't really talk that way, but I'm trying to make myself sound as dumb I know. as I We, we try to talk like younger people. So I got an engineering degree just based on the fact that I thought it would make a lot of money. I was really good in physics, science, math, chemistry. But here's what I didn't know. When I got an engineering degree, I didn't realize I was not an engineer at heart. In fact, quite the contrary. So yeah. by the time I graduated from my engineering degree, I already had a sense that I was in the wrong field, but I didn't really know, know why. So I went back and got an MBA immediately. And in the, the MBA program, I took two marketing classes and my heart came alive. And I realized, huh, I wonder if I should actually have done marketing all along and not yeah. done engineering. That's but I didn't really fun. act on that right away. Well, years later, I realized I love marketing. I love sales. I love working with people. I think it was just bad planning on my part. If I could go back right now, I don't know for sure if I would have gone to college, but if I would have, 
I would have definitely done marketing, sales, investor relations, something like that. Brilliant. And I think I, I would say the same. My brief story is that I got my degree in engineering from Virginia Tech, go Okies. Um, lucky enough to get a minor in business because I majored in industrial engineering and, and you could get a minor in business. But my business classes really spoke to me, like accounting and stuff like that. And I was like, man, this is really cool. But I was down the road and, and I got an engineering, by the way, because people were like, hey, you're good at math and science. So you should be an engineer. And I said, okay, again, okay, I guess what we'll do, right? Because um, we don't know, right? And maybe in America, we send kids, just in the world, we send kids to college too soon that they should graduate high school, go, go air quote, find themselves for like a, a year or two, take a gap year, go figure out what they really want to apply themselves into, and then maybe go get more education. But I didn't do that. I graduated, I, I did an internship when I was finishing at Virginia Tech at a local factory that was in Roanoke. I, I forget the name of the factory. And I, at that internship, I was walking around this factory, seeing what the engineers at the factory did. And I'm like, this looks like hell on wheels and I don't want to do this. This looks awful, you know, <laughs> to go yeah. sitting on a desk, working in this loud factory every day. I said, you know, I got to do something different than this. And I found that Ingersoll Rand was hiring people with engineering degrees to be salespeople, right? Yeah. And you got to go sell on the road and deal with engineers in factories on a daily basis. And you could design product and then sell them the thing that you would sell them, the engineered system that you would design and sell that to them. Compressed air, right? We, des yeah. we designed compressed air systems and then sold them, right? So that job really spoke to me. I was lucky enough to get my chops cut in sales, even though I did my degree in engineering. So I was lucky enough to find a career that actually wasn't engineering and grow through it there. So Paul, transitioning. So let, let, let's talk about uh, your transitions, your growth, maybe the aha moments, the epiphanies that you had in chasing those shiny nickels in your early career. We can even transition to the whole thing about traction and that, and that's where you are now. Awesome. But it's more fun to talk about our mistakes sometimes, isn't it? So fellow shiny nickel chaser to fellow shiny nickel chaser, talk us through a few of those moments where you chase some shiny nickels. There's distractions every day of deals we yeah. should look at, right? So talk us through what that was like. Oh man, I need hours to develop this, but <laughs> Matt, here's a couple moments, for example. So like I, I had a couple million dollars after selling my company at age 34 or so. And I, the first thing I did is I started hearing about alternative investments and I didn't do due diligence. I just trusted some guy who was selling them on commission. And yeah. so the first, I think one of the first, no, two of the first deals I did right after that, they went South. One guy is serving, he's like in year 22 right now of his 158 year federal prison sentence for, you know, a Ponzi scheme. And I invested like a hundred thousand dollars in that. Mm -hmm. And I invested in something else I won't, you know, get into right now. But what I yeah. realized, it took me years to realize this, Matt, that I thought, hey, I'm a full-time investor now. And the truth is, gotcha. I was a full-time speculator is what I was. I didn't know the difference. Speculating, I mean, investing is when your principal is generally protected and throwing off cash flow and you've got a chance to make a profit. Speculating is when your principal is not at all safe or protected. It usually doesn't throw off cash flow and it's counting on the next person to pay more than you did. And mm -hmm. I confused investing and speculating. And you know, many, many years later, when I started studying Warren Buffett, I realized that I was more of a speculator yeah. than an investor. And so that was my big, that was one of, certainly one of my big aha moments for sure. That's, and I think that many, many real estate investors over the last five years, they've made a lot of money speculating and they call themselves real estate investors, but really what they're doing is they happen to walk up to the roulette table and it happened to have hit their number when they put their money on black, the roulette table happened to have hit black or even hit their direct number and they got a huge hit and they look like geniuses. But really what they've done is they've been successful gambling as opposed to being successful investing. And I've been preaching for a long time about cash flow over appreciation. And this is like, I'm a student of Robert Kiyosaki as you probably are too. And Kiyosaki talks all the time about cash flow 
And that, that is his fundamental real estate investing or just investing, you know, desire fundamental that you got to get is cash flow. But most people have made their money in appreciation over the last five years, which is speculation. And I think you said it brilliantly that there is an expectation that if I buy a property for X, I'm going to make myself and my investors the majority of the returns by selling that property for two X, three to five to 10 years, whatever it is years from now. And we're going to make a pittance of a cash flow and then uh, cross our fingers, God willing, the creek don't rise, uh, you know, sell it for two to three to four times what I paid for it down the road. Uh, not the truth now, right? That's certainly not not what the truth is. Um, so you've transitioned over to being a, a more disciplined cash flow investor. What does that look like today for you, for yourself and for your company? Part of that shiny object chasing transition was trying not wanting to hit grand slam home runs anymore and just mm -hmm. go, you know, aiming for singles. My, I, I lived in Roanoke for about 12 years and my mm -hmm. friend there was a professional baseball player. He was in the Boston farm club, you know, system, mm -hmm. AAA. And he said one year, he said, I'm just going to focus on home runs all year. And he got more home runs than he ever had. But as you can guess, he also struck out and had the worst season of his career overall. And so we just made a big decision that we're not going to swing for the fence. We're going to look for singles and doubles that cash flow well. Yeah. And if they appreciate also, that's fantastic. So we've put our priorities on safety of principle first, cash flow second, and then appreciation third with tax benefits along the way, of course. So that's what we do. In fact, a lot of the deals we're looking at now are limited upside. They have a capped upside, but they have a lot of cash flow that's actually contractual. And of course, as you know, Matt, those are called preferred equity deals. Yeah. But those are those are great arrangements and then i mean yeah you can only make but so much on your money but like in the in the new economy that's already begun let's say and that i think we'll see a lot more of those new economy in 2024 and forward it, uh, cash flow is going to be king and if you get into a deal i, I honestly i'd rather take six seven eight percent on my money right now than the chance to make 20 right yeah. then maybe like pay me two percent now and you know cross my fingers and maybe i'll make 2025 20, down the road right that's right. been the typical real estate investment over the last five years what many operators know not throwing any stones at anybody specific but that's what's been offered on the market and that's also worked and i get that but it's maybe not going to work moving forward so i'll take eight nine ten paid and in a preferred return investment like you've got there with maybe the potential to make 12 13 14 on the upside then you're capped and that's okay but in exchange for that cap you're getting like the floor comes up too, you know, like the ceilings here, but the floor gets raised as well. So you can't use the G word, but uh, you can't guarantee anything, but it is a structure that's built around cash flow. I love it. So by the way, we're multifamily operators. You wrote a book a while ago about real estate investing in multifamily. And I know that you're involved in a market in multifamily that we are now, such as Kentucky, right? But you chose to get out of multifamily. Why? I don't think I thought it through as well as this will sound, but in <laughs> retrospect, I've been thinking about what we did. So one of the big influences in, in me going from a shiny nickel chaser was the book, The One Thing, which yeah. we talked about before by Gary Keller and Jay Papazon. And they said, you can probably be really, really, really good at one thing. And so I'm like, yeah, yeah, I want to do that. Okay. I want to be really good at multifamily for a while. And at the same time, I realized as an investor and as, I mean, hopefully all investors really believe that they need diversification as well. And so that made me want to be diversified across different cities, you know, mm -hmm. different economies, different strategies, but also different asset types. The problem is it would take years and Matt, I hate to say it, but maybe even a decade or more to get in the top, let's say 20% of multifamily syndicators. Yeah. You know, the 80, 20 rule, right? Top 20% get 80% of the right. Well, I know I don't look it, but I was already in my fifties. <laughs> And you're probably thinking, yeah, he looks like he's in his 80s. No, <laughs> no, no. You look spectacular. Keep going. What do you got? <laughs> but seriously, I was already in my 50s. I'm like, okay, how are we going to be really good in multifamily and sell storage? That was my original dream. 
and then maybe in mobile home parks too. And I realized, wait a minute, Warren Buffett says, diversification is for people who just don't know what they're doing. And I said, yeah. whoa, Mark Cuban said, diversification is for idiots. Whoa, wait a minute. And so I Warren Buffett's words can burn sometimes, you know, I mean, they're very brief a lot of the time, but they're taken to heart and he's very out yeah. there with his opinion, but most of the time he's right. So, yeah. So yeah. as you know, I'm writing a book about Warren Buffett's principles for real estate investors. And I didn't like that chapter. So I didn't want to write that chapter yeah. you know, about diversification. I didn't know that you're writing a book for, can you say that one more time? It's called, the book's yes. called Warren Buffett's Rules for Real Estate Investors. We've got 24 chapters finished where we'll take a concept that he uh. used about equity or corporate corporations, and we'll take it and say, what would he do and say using that principle about real estate? And wow. so we're having so much fun writing this. Well, the problem is I didn't believe what he said about diversification, but then a light bulb went on. Wait a minute. Who's Who's got the most, what is the most diversified company in the Fortune 100, maybe the Fortune 500? And that, of course, is Berkshire Hathaway. Warren Buffett's got interests or control of 108 companies in a whole huge number of different industries. He is totally diversified. And then the light bulb went off for me. The one thing says, I want to be really, really good, the best in one thing. Diversification principle says, I can only be good in one thing, but I need a basket of things to invest in. And that's when we, the light bulb went off and we said, no, we're going to step back and we're going to be a fund who goes out and finds one thing people in self-storage, yeah. mobile home parks, RV parks, et cetera. And we're going to invest our money in the one, you know, in all those one thing people. And so yeah. that's, that was the biggest light bulb for me, even though it didn't come in a moment, it came over time. So, I mean, you know, Warren Buffett owns a lot of Coca-Cola, right? But I bet you he doesn't own many Pepsi shares, Paul. You know, right. right. So he is diversified in that, in that lane, you know, with regards to like, you know, personal re refreshment products, right? So he owns right. Coca-Cola and probably owns a lot of them. So that's not a yeah, diversification right. play. He said, this company is number one leader in the asset class that they're in. That's who I'm going in with. And so you're doing the same thing by picking like, this is the a number one horse in this industry. So I'm going to invest with that horse and maybe not spread it around to 40 different operators and self-storage. I'm going to pick, but maybe in the top five. You know, so love that, love that psychology. Paul, I need to transition. We are participating with you in this phenomenal journey around Giving Tuesday, which is coming up. I want everybody here to listen up, podcast guests, uh, YouTube guests, and uh, people watching on Diversity Insiders. It's probably one of the most important conversations that we've had all year that I'd like for you guys to pay attention to. Tell us real quick what the initiative is for Giving Tuesday, how they can play a part. And, and I'd love to just say DeRosa Group is proud to be a part of the initiative you're doing. So take it away. Yeah, Matt, did you know if at least through 2021, I haven't checked number 2022 yet. If you took the record annual profits, not the average, the record annual profits from Apple, General Motors, Nike, and Starbucks, added those record profits together, took that number and doubled it. That's the approximate profits generated every year by human trafficking. Stop. It's serious. It's much worse than I'm saying, but I'll leave that statistic. Think about that for a minute. Well, yeah, let that sink. This is a real tough conversation, guys, but we're going to have it because we're going to make a difference and we're going to fight this. Unfortunately, since we started our conversation, Matt, about 400 children, mostly children, mostly girls, have been sold or captured into slavery since we started talking about 27 minutes ago. <sighs> and it's overwhelming. Yeah. And it's even worse than I'm saying. If you've seen the movie Sound of Freedom... Yeah. Uh, you know, the movie is, it's a great demonstration of one very dramatic rescue that is, you know, representative mm -hmm. of hundreds or thousands of other rescues that are being made. But the problem is, Matt, when I heard about this, I realized, hey, I, I'm not, I'm not that guy. I, I, I don't think that I'm really cut out 
to go to Cambodia or Belize or South America and make rescues like that, do commando raids. But maybe I can send money. Well, but if I give, I'm giving to somebody that I don't really know and I don't really know what they're doing with the money. So Wellings Capital was sort of perplexed on what to do next. And so we looked at the way we do due diligence on commercial real estate deals and operators. And we said, hey, let's do that for nonprofits. So we looked at several nonprofits and we found one that has a 100% charity navigator score that is dedicated to fighting human trafficking and rescuing its victims. This organization called AIM, they go in in Cambodia and they're now starting in Belize. They go in and they rescue children out of trafficking. They'll rescue an average of five at a time. On that same day, they'll put an average of one to two people behind bars. And the cost of those rescues, amazingly, are only $1,000 per child. So about $5,000 puts about people behind bars and five children into freedom. But not only that, it gives them the beginning of the opportunity to have safe housing, counseling, clothing, food, a family, and the opportunity to learn a trade away from the city they were trafficked in. Mm. They can have freedom, they can have a new life and a chance to have a normal family, a normal life. And so we have been really excited about giving to these folks. We have raised, by my count, $485,000 we've raised or influenced or given ourselves to fight human trafficking through AIM in the last two years. That's 485 lives that you've made an impact on, justice that you've been able to play a part in in the world. So kudos to you on that, man. I can't thank you enough. So yes, talk us through Giving Tuesday because I'm really grateful that you're continuing to do this. And I'm grateful that the DeRosa Group has committed to join you on this venture. So keep going. I'm going to tell you what we're doing for Giving Tuesday, but it actually, we're, we're only doing this with one group in advance of Giving Tuesday. I'll tell you about that in a second. So what we've done is we pulled together a bunch of folks in our mastermind and a bunch of other investors that we have, and then myself, my son, and we've put together a match. And what the way it works is if anyone donates at a link we're going to give in a minute, it'll be that amount will be doubled up from now to Giving Tuesday. That means if somebody donates $50, it becomes 100 If somebody is generous enough to donate $500, it becomes 1000 And as mm-hmm. I mentioned, for $1,000, we can save a child's life. And, and the link's out there. Guys, it's aimfree.org forward slash DeRosa is our link to participate in this program. And I'm proud to say that we are participating in the match as well. And it's up to $50,000. The first 50K gets matched by, by your company, by DeRosa, and by many other syndicators and real estate operators that you and I love and respect in the world are all contributing to that 50K to go alongside. So for every dollar that comes in, we're providing a dollar alongside that. Right. And so that's how it works. And Matt, you're the first person I've been able to be on your podcast to talk about this. So aimfree.org slash DeRosa is the first link and the first time this has been announced this year. So I'm super honored to be here to roll this out with you today. No, thank you. And guys, listen, I don't get anything. There's no anything that anybody gets. This all just goes to help lives. Give somebody the shot that we didn't get and and to get them back on their feet and get them a life that they all deserve. I pre- ask you guys yeah. to participate in this now. Give whatever you got. Like as Paul said, it's you know 50 bucks, 10 bucks, whatever you got, but it'll get matched. Whatever you put in, $1 turns into two in this program. Right. So Super honored that you would allow me to talk about this on your show, Matt. Yeah. What- it's just looking a problem dead in the face. And the only way that we solve problems is by looking at them right here not pretending they don't exist. And so it's very easy to squeam in our chairs a little bit with some of the information that Paul just gave us and say, oh, let me change the channel. Let me go listen to something happy. Let me go put on my favorite song or whatever it is. And I commend you guys to listening for not doing that because the only way we're going to create change in anything, in anything is by looking directly at it. 
right? Looking at a real problem as Paul has identified directly in the face and asking the question, what are you listener willing to do about this? Yeah. Right? Cause there is something you can do. It's not something like, oh, geez, that's awful. I wish I could do something about that. Well, guess what? You can, okay. You can do something about this by us being aware of something and not doing anything about it. You're really just as bad as the problem itself, because if you're aware of the problem and you're aware of what you can do, then you're just as bad as the problem and not to put it in your face or whatever. So put your money where your mouth is guys. If you think this is awful, then join us on this journey. Cause DeRose has agreed to be one of the participants in that 50 K match. Uh, that, that is my personal money, not even my company's money. It's my, it's Matt and Liz Faircloth's money. That's going to be joining this uh, journey as part of that 50 K. So to, in, in the time that we've got left, I made sure that we got to highlight the giving, the giving Tuesday thing. I'm going to give the floor to you. What else would you like for us to be aware of either for, 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 you know, human trafficking initiatives. We can talk about that. If you'd like, we can talk a little bit more about, about wellings. We could talk about your hobbies, Paul. I'm all yours in that. What would you like to hop into for chat? I'd love chatting with you. So what, what do you want to talk about? Yeah, I'd love to tell a very short story Please. that I thought was kind of a, I thought it was a myth or a legend, but it turns out that it was documented and it's true. There was a guy in Germany. He was a child in the 19 late thirties and the early forties in Germany. And he said he was at a church that was right by a railroad track. You might know where this is going. And so this church right by the railroad track, they would, there would be a, a train loaded with Jewish families, Jewish yep. Uh, yep. people who, that was going by the church. And as it passed the church, they could hear the screams and they could hear the wailing of the people on the uh, train. And when they did, they actually said that they sang louder. He said they literally whipped up a hymn and they sung much louder until the train had passed. Hmm. And, you know, this, this kid probably wasn't in a position to do anything about that, but he said he's lived haunted now with the fact that he tried to close his ears. He tried to not hear the screams and the wails and he tried to ignore it. And that's honestly, it's so many of us say, well, if I would have been in Germany, you know, 80 years ago, I would have done something. And maybe we would have, maybe we wouldn't have, but there is a chance to do something now. It's and easy so for our egos to speak in hindsight, you know? know. And, and when human trafficking is eradicated, people will hear the stories of human trafficking years in the future and say, man, if I was around, I would have go picked up an AK-47 and gone to Cambodia yeah. and done something about it myself. It's really easy to say what you can do, what you would have done in hindsight. Right. But the bottom line is there's always something that needs to get done right in front of you right now that you can take action on. So there's no reason for you to look in hindsight of what you would have done in the past. There's plenty yeah. of times for you to take action today. So, all right. Well, Paul, God bless you, brother. And, and I appreciate your hard work. I appreciate you being one of the most humble people that I know. You're one of the most successful yet humble people that I've met. And I really look up to what you built. I look up to your character and uh, your commitment to take on things such as this initiative. I commend you for the cause that you have as well, because it's one thing to build an empire of success and to build wealth around yourself, but it takes an even bigger man to take some of that wealth that you've built and spill it over to others and to use the megaphone that God's graced us with and to use that megaphone for your business too, because you got to you know do what we do, but also to use the megaphone that's been planted in our hand and to do good with it as well. So I commend you and in that. So, so thank you. How can people get in touch with you? How can people hear more about you? If they want to reach out everything from your initiatives for not-for-profit drives all the way up to hearing more about Wellings Capital and how they could grow their wealth with your organization. I am on Twitter at Paul Moore Invest. And we got a bunch of, if you want to get our book on multifamily or self-storage, you can find that on Amazon, or you can find some free special reports at wellingscapital.com.
Wellings Capital, W-E-L-L-I-N-G-S, wellingscapital.com. Guys, go there, check out Paul uh, and his organization. Phenomenal A-plus organization that's out there. Paul, I'm really touched by this. Thank you. We'll have to have you on the show again and tell some more everything, giving back stories, engineering stories, uh, everything like that. Love to have you on as a, as, as a quarterly guest on this show even to talk some give back shop and to talk maybe a backstory. Maybe I can get you to tell some more how to lose money. I know you're not doing the show anymore, but maybe we can get you to tell some how to lose money here on the show. I can go that. ahead and with you, you know? Yeah, we can also talk about Warren Buffett's rules for real estate investors. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. All those things. Well, let's, I'll have Paul back on the show very soon. Paul, thank you so much. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. Yeah. What a great, great conversation, guys. I'm really touched by the work that Paul's doing, and I'm really grateful that we get to be a small part of it here at DeRosa as well. So that was a very heavy conversation, but, but a needed conversation. Going to change gears a bit here to talk a bit about strip centers and to talk about the, the world of commercial real estate, right? There's so much real estate in the world that if you look at it, that was built to be one thing and is now another thing, right? We own two buildings right now. DeRosa Group owns two properties that used to be a factory. One of them used to be a factory. Then it was a flea market and now it's an apartment building, right? There are, if you look at real estate over a long period of time, over like a 10, 15 year period of time, sure, it probably was built to be this thing and it's now this thing for, for that. But real estate tends to change hands over many, many, many cycles of time. And over many, many cycles of time, it becomes another thing, right? And so if you look at old real estate, hundreds of year old real estate, it's likely not what it was built to be. It was built to be this and not this. I was listening to, a, to the radio uh, yesterday about a prison in Pennsylvania that's going to be redeveloped into another thing. And so the, today's conversation is about an initiative and data that's been pulled down on the 947 million square feet of, of strip centers, not big, large living centers, little square, little strip centers. These are strip malls where you might find your barber shop, where you might find uh, local clothing stores or a small little vitamin shop, or a, maybe a small bodega or a small uh, drugstore or something like that. Something that was maybe built in the 60s, 70s, 80s, maybe in the 90s, somewhere in there. But there's a huge percentage of these strip centers that have vacancy, right? And there's 947 million square feet of it in the United States. The question is, what could be done with those strip centers? And there's been a study that was done that with a small fraction of the vacant spaces in commercial strip centers, small strip centers, again, not turning a Target or a Best Buy into housing, but turning maybe what was a barbershop and a nail salon and a dry cleaner into housing. And I get, don't be yelling at me about this. I know there's environmental matters that you have to address first, but those things can get addressed with enough money. And so if those strip centers can get acquired for the right number, right? Uh, the study shows that a small fraction of them could generate 700,000 units of housing. There is an enormous housing, sh housing shortage in this country. So the question is, how can we take old strip centers that are in prime locations or typically right on major thoroughfares, near downtowns, near other things, because that's where strip centers need to be. They need to be near housing, right? They're typically around the corner from your house. Everybody sitting in their home right now probably has a retail strip center within a mile or two of their home. And it could be something that's underutilized or maybe even abandoned altogether. I, I, was, I passed a fully abandoned strip center the other day um, when I was driving around in my car, 100% abandoned, vacant, and, and a for sale sign in front of it right? So what can be done? And the question is that maybe it's housing, maybe it's other adaptive reuses, but the study shows that it's 700,000 uh, units of multifamily housing could get provided in a small fraction of the strip centers that are out there. So there is a housing shortage and we will meet the housing shortage in a lot of different ways in America. Number one, maybe by building the easiest down the middle of the fairway solution is to build more multifamily housing. And that is happening. There's a lot of multifamily housing coming out of the ground. There's certainly reuse of spaces like office spaces. And I've talked about that before on the show is about turning office space into new, new uses. 
And there's even more creative off the wall suggestions, like this article says, in turning strip centers. Now you ask questions like, well, does somebody want to go live in something that used to be a barber shop? Because it's going to be right on the highway. It's going to have a lot of this. He's going on. Well, guys, get creative. I'll give you a quick idea. Maybe you turn the parking lot in front of that strip center into a yard. And the back of the property where there was a service entrance in the back turns into the, the parking for the resident, for the tenant, right? Maybe there's other adaptive uh, uses you could do. Eric Platter here, abandoned Kmart's turned into self-storage. There, there is a developer right now. I've met this person. I met him at Best Evercon a few years ago. He's turned four or five Kmart's, Kmart's into drive-in self-storage, meaning like you drive your car into a, what, what was a Kmart and you go drive up right to your unit of self-storage unpack your old stuff and you know your your storage stuff that you don't need for today but you need for later into your storage unit get back in your car and drive out and these are temperature controlled drive in drive out centers that used to be Kmart's right there is a major shift happening in american real estate and there is going to be billions maybe even trillions of dollars of profit made by people that are that want to choose to be a part of the of the taking real estate that was this thing that used to be this thing and now needs to be this thing over here, turning it into another thing, whatever that thing is, okay? Seed is planted, guys. Guys, listen to next week's show. We're gonna be talking about how there is billions with a capital B and in the, in the tens of billions that just got released that is that could be a low interest loan that you guys could use to do adaptive reuse in your industry. So if you guys are watching the recording of this or watching live, I'm, just, I'm gonna tease you now. Watch next week up next week's episode of the Cashflow Digest because we're gonna be reporting on a new program that's out there that could be putting billions of dollars into the adaptive reuse ventures of turning things in America from one thing into another thing of real estate use. That's what we got for you on today's current event. The transition, we're going to be talking now about the deal of the month. The DeRosa Income Fund is invested in all kinds of fun things. DeRosa Income Fund's been yielding in the high single digits. We crossed over 10% for one of our return months for our investors. We're producing tons and tons of cash flow. And we're having so much fun at DeRosa Income Fund. We thought that we would share with you guys some of the progress we've had in deals that we've done, real deals that are that have been active in the DeRosa Income Fund. If you guys want to hear more about the, the DeRosa Income Fund, you want to book a call with us to hear about it. Go to derosagroup.com forward slash diff forward slash DIF. That fund is for accredited investors only. But if you're not accredited, that's okay. You guys can watch this video and learn about investment opportunities that you might be able to generate. They're just as creative as this initiative that DIF has gotten into. But we'd love to hear from you guys if you want to invest in the DIF as well. So go to that website, derosagroup.com forward slash diff, and you guys can consider it. Nabiku, take it away for today's video, telling us more about the deal of the month for the DIF. What's going on, everyone? Vinny Celeste here with another DeRosa Income Fund Deal of the Month. For those of you who haven't seen these types of videos before, DeRosa Income Fund is the newest way that DeRosa Group is providing passive income to investors by investing in real estate secured and personally guaranteed debt. Basically, we're funding opportunities like I'm about to show you right here. So in this segment, we just highlight a, a deal that funded the month prior. So let's jump into it. Another exciting one here, actually, it's going to get harder and harder to do this, but if you remember two months ago, we shared a $1.3 million loan for a warehouse conversion. Month previous, we showed a $135,000 loan to really actually finish construction on a restaurant. And then now we're showing a $510,000 loan that's new development. So I just wanna pause there to highlight three different business plans, three different operators and three different geographic regions. So, you know, we're really happy to, to see the way that this business model is being rolled out and the way that we're able to diversify risk across all these opportunities. So here's another exciting one. And I think you'll see why we were excited to lend on it after we go through some of the details here. Uh, we've lent $510,000 in October to a developer in the Atlantic City, New Jersey area. 
this person has picked up three lots and is developing on that lot. So the pictures here are maybe a little boring, more boring than the previous couple of pictures that we've been able to show, but this is new development. So that's exciting stuff. I want to highlight that this person has uh, experience and has done five similar exit strategies in the same geographic region. So again, our focus on, and when we're looking at deals and deciding who we lend to is really predicated on the experience of that operator and our confidence in their ability to execute. We're very confident in this operator and going through some of the metrics here. Uh, I think you'll see some of the, the highlights. So new development, $510,000 loan. It tends, ends up to be a 57% loan to value. A common highlight, if you remember the past couple of videos, we always target that low loan to values. So this one comes in at 57% and their exit plan is to just sell the asset after they've developed it. So pretty basic business and, you know, we're excited for this one and, and to see where it all goes. So thank you all for watching. And this is another DeRosa Income Fund deal of the month. If you're interested in investing in DeRosa Income Fund, please head to derosagroup.com slash fund. Thank you. Guys, thank you so much, Vinny, for highlighting the deal of the month. Guys, if you want to uh, hear more about uh, the DeRosa Income Fund or the deal of the month or want to get highlights from it, just go to derosagroup.com forward slash diff. Uh, we also highlight the deal, the deal of the month in our monthly newsletter, which you guys can get a access to by going to derosagroup.com and just signing up for a newsletter right there. Guys, that has been another phenomenal uh, episode of the Cashflow Digest. Super, super moved by my good friend, Paul Moore. Everything from his journey through real estate and how to lose money in real estate and his direction and uh, growing the juggernaut of Wellings Capital, which you guys should uh, reach out to Paul to hear more about. And also his very touching, I, I got very emotional during his talk about the, during the, his initiatives to end human trafficking. We know too much to not do something, guys. I'd, all of us do. And, and in the world, and just we're better than, than to allow these kinds of things to continue to happen in the world. I, I implore all of you guys to go to the link that was given here, aim free, AIM free org forward slash DeRosa to make a contribution to the program. If you guys go to that link, your donation will be matched by the DeRosa and our friends at Wellings Capital and then a few other operators that are committing to match up to 50K of the donations that we get to that site. That's what I got for you guys today at the Cashflow Digest. Make sure you guys join us next week at noon Eastern on this DeRosa Insiders channel. If you guys are watching on Spotify, make sure you guys take a moment right now and leave this show a good review and a thumbs up on Spotify. Tell Spotify how much you love this program so it'll continue to propagate it through the algorithm to other people so they hear about it too. That's what we got for you guys. Thank you so much. If you guys are watching live, have a happy weekend. Take care. Hey guys, Matt Faircloth here. Thank you for listening again to the Cashflow Digest. I really appreciate you guys doing that. If you guys want to hear more about what DeRosa Group has to offer, go to DeRosa Group, D-E-R-O-S-A group.com, DeRosa Group.com online. You can hear about all the great things that we offer from an educational standpoint and passive investment standpoint on our website. See you there. And if you guys want to join our online community, DeRosa Insiders on Facebook, where you can watch this program get recorded every Friday at noon Eastern, and you can come on as even a guest or ask questions on the show. We hope to see you guys on our online community, DeRosa Insiders. See you there.